I think it's by no coincidence that Braid asked me several weeks back if I would preach on this Sunday. He asked me if I would preach on the gospel, the book of John, which many of you may know. That's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's a book I believe in so much that I constantly carry little, little gospels of John around with me and try to give them out to people. And so I love this. I love the word. I love this particular word. There are so many powerful and profound things about the gospel of John. Obviously, the entire Bible is powerful and profound. It, it happens to be the only one of the four gospels that does not start out with the nativity, but actually goes back to the beginning. So from a historical perspective, the Gospel of John starts a lot further back and really does an excellent job in the very first chapter to give us an understanding of who Jesus really is. There are the, fev the famous seven I am statements that Christ makes about himself in this gospel. I actually think there's eight, and I'll share them with you. I think there's eight I am statements that Christ makes in this gospel. That's what I have found. But you have to realize something, that these statements were so powerful. What Christ said about himself was so powerful, so profound, so controversial that the religious leaders of his time wanted to kill him for it. And they did. Fortunately for us, his claims about deity were true because as we know, and as was witnessed by many people at that time, he was resurrected three days later, which I count as his seventh, eighth miracle. This book really points out seven different I am statements about Christ, things he said about himself, and it also has seven different miracles. But I actually think there's eight. The eighth miracle is what occurs in chapter 20 when Christ is resurrected. These claims that Christ made about himself are so controversial, so stirring, that Christians today are also killed around the world and persecuted around the world for those same claims. Many of you are probably aware of this, but today in the world, there are over 30 nations where Christians are killed and persecuted every day for their faith because of what Jesus said about himself. Out of those seven profound statements, and you'll hear me repeat this one, but probably the most controversial one that he said was found in, in chapter 14 where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made that statement about himself. At that time, the, the Jews did not, you know, they, they considered him to be a heretic for saying that. For saying that the only way to the Father was through him. That was his claim then, and it is still his claim today. And if you are of the Christian faith, that should be your claim today which is one of the reasons for the controversy surrounding this. Because there are many other religions today that want to embrace Christ as a teacher 
and they want to embrace him as a prophet. They recognize he was a great man. It's undeniable that he had such an impact profoundly on the history of the world. After all, our date is dated based on the date of his death. And so this man made some very strong and bold statements. And we'll explore those. And we'll talk about what that means. But to understand this gospel of John, to understand this gospel of Christ, you first, this is the only scripture I'm going to share today outside of this book. But to understand the gospel of John, you first must understand the heart of God the Father. You can't understand what Christ's mission was here on this earth without understanding what is taught in Ezekiel 18. Where it says, Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Why will you die, O nation of the United States? Why will you die? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord. So turn and live. That is the heart of the Father. That is the heart of God who is holy and just and righteous and pure. And no one can abide in his presence because of that. Apart from those who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Which we will talk about in this chapter. So it is impossible really to understand the four Gospels. It is impossible to understand Christ's claims about himself. It is impossible to understand who he really is. If you first don't understand the heart of God the Father. I desire that none would perish. But that all would repent. There is no difference. You know, there are a few things that all of us in this room have in common. Every one of us. Whether you're of the faith or you're not. One, we're all going to die. And two, we will all be judged. We will all be judged according to God's righteousness. According to his laws. However, Christ provided another way. A way of grace. We'll read about it here in the very first chapter. But it says here, if you, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to skip 6 through 8 because that's really kind of an introduction of one of my heroes, John the Baptist. Why was he called John the Baptist, by the way? Because he went around baptizing people with water for repentance of their sins. He was this wild man that went around in the wilderness and wore camel's hair and carried a very stern and strict message, which was repent for the kingdom of God is close at hand. He was the forerunner of Jesus. And he went about telling everyone that they must repent or they would perish in their sins. He had a tough calling. 
Verse 9 says, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people, the Jews, they did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, again, go back to the understanding the heart of the Father. It's my desire that none would, would perish, but that all would repent and turn from their ways. And there you have, there you have Christ saying that. He came into his own, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. That is a right that you can inherit through grace because Christ paid the ransom for you with his life. We learn about him later in this passage that it says he's the good shepherd because he laid down the li his life for his flock. Isn't that interesting? We were having a discussion the other day about pastoral leadership. And you know, one of the things I had to learn the hard way when I got into the ministry years ago, you know, one of the real tests of being in the ministry, one of the real tests of being a leader for the Lord is that you're willing to serve and love people even sometimes when those very people might stab you in the back or might accuse you or might use you or might say bad things about you. That's a real test when you know, Brady knows that. I, I love this man. I've been ministering with him for years and years. I've seen him lay down his time, his family, his life for others, only then to have those same go around and accuse him and, and because they kind of expect this perfection out of him. And when he falls short of that, boy, then they don't like him very well. Everyone who has served the Lord in the ministry has seen that. But none of us, but, but, but the good shepherd, the good pastor, Christ himself, not only laid his life down in, in sort of an, a, a metaphorical way, but he literally laid his life down for his flock. So, verse 13, we were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, but the will of man. Verse 14 explains how, how deity became a man. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So quick, just a quick couple highlights from this chapter. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. In other words, Christ has always existed. It's clear that you understand that because I know people of the faith who, who've gone to church and read the Bible and kind of followed Christ or made attempts to follow Christ, but really not understood that, that Christ is eternal. God is not a created being. God always was. God always existed. Christ always existed. Christ always was. He was called the Word, and He spoke everything that you see into existence by the power of His Word. What a sad thing if you think about it. Can you imagine if you have, how many parents are in here? Raise your hand if you're a parent. So 
Imagine how gut-wrenching it is if you have children that you love. If you're a parent, children will never truly appreciate how much their mom and dad love them, will they? I don't think they'll ever truly appreciate that until they become a parent themselves. But I'm going to tell you something. That, that love that you have for your children, imagine how you feel if your children were to deny you, if your children too were to walk out of fellowship with you, if your children were to say, well, you may be my mom and dad and you may love me, but I don't love you. Imagine how that tears away at your heart. Imagine how that tears away at the heart of Christ, at the heart of the Father, because there are so many people in this world who don't want to recognize who he is, what he has done for them, his love for them, his relationship to them. They deny him in word and deed. All things were made through him, the Bible says. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made. In him was life and the light of men. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you ever... Have you, have you, if you're in this room and you've given your life to Jesus and begun following him and then maybe walked away from that, have you ever done that? Did you have any kind of peace in that? Did you have any life in that? Did you have light in that? Or all of a sudden, did you find yourself walking in darkness once again, which was the very thing he tried to rescue you from? And so you blissfully, ignorantly, with your eyes covered, walk forward in life to the edge, and you're about to fall off because you walk in darkness. And when you walk, the thing about walking in darkness, when you're walking in darkness, you don't know you're walking in darkness because you're deceived. I know because I've been there. There's not a person in this room who hasn't been there. Let me get back to something. I said the only difference, all of us have two things in common. Death and judgment. We also have another thing in common. We're all sinners. We all have fallen short of God's glory. But the difference, if you're in Christ, is you're a forgiven sinner. Because you've, you've chosen a new path. Jesus said you must be born again or you will not see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Born of the water and born of the spirit. What does that mean? Born of the spirit means that because you have surrendered your life to Jesus, and I mean surrender, I don't mean empty words. Listen. When Christ forgave the woman caught in adultery, all these men drug the woman out. Notice they didn't drag the man. She got caught in the act. So there was a man there too. But they didn't mess with the man. Women have always been getting picked at in this world. There are other faiths that pick at them so bad, they won't even let you. You know, they were going to stone her back then for being in adultery. There are nations in this world where if a woman were to walk out without the proper clothing, she would be stoned. So again, the woman, bearing the brunt, gets drug out into this. And Jesus said, well, if you haven't sinned, I guess you can go ahead and throw a stone at her. He said that to these leaders. And what they do? They all threw down their pebbles and rocks and they walked away. 
And he's like, where are your condemners? Well, I guess they're all gone. Well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. He didn't ever get down on her knees and say some fancy prayer. He just said, go away and sin no more. At that point, I guarantee you she had faith. And at that point, I guarantee you she walked away as a follower of Jesus. And we know that because she went about bearing testimony of him. She became saved. She became a follower of Jesus. Understand the true and the full gospel. The gospel of Jesus doesn't begin and end with some sentence or prayer that you said when you got down on your knees. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. Jesus said, give me your life. Take up your cross. Abide in me. Follow me. That's what it means to be a disciple. This book, in many chapters, 14, 15, it gives us this great understanding of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We'll get there. So, here are all these wonderful things that we learn about Christ in the very first chapter. It says, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. This unmerited, unmerited forgiveness and grace and love and mercy that comes from Jesus. You see, don't, you, you can't strive for perfection. You can't strive for heaven. There is, Jesus said, there's no way to the Father except through me. There's no way to the Father except through me. I'm it. Now, follow me. Repent. Surrender your will. Surrender your life unto me. Because guess what? That's what Christ did for the Father. That's what we learn. Jesus said, I do nothing of my own will, but only what the Father instructs me. That. That is life in Christ. That we begin to die to our own will and we begin to follow him and obey him and go through this process called sanctification where we try and we become empowered by his spirit. Jumping back, he said, you must be born of the water and born of the spirit. When you become born again, you become filled with the spirit of the Lord and empowered by the spirit of the Lord. And I want to talk about that today too because I think that most of us don't really walk in the fullness of that. Most of us miss out on what it means to walk indwelled by the Spirit of the Lord. How many of you, Jesus said, greater things than these I will do because you will do in my name. How many of you, not by a show of hands, but just examine yourself. How many of you have had the chance to pray for people and seen them healed? I have, and it's awesome. I'm gonna bear testimony of that, just like the woman at the well did. Here's this man who said all these things about me. She went about bearing testimony of Christ and others believed. That is part of our job is to bear testimony of Christ, of what we've seen him do in our life. What has he done in your life? What has he rescued you from? Those moments of darkness, those moments where you're so twisted and torn and you're paralyzed in fear and anxiety, your own acts of darkness have, have gotten you in, a, in this terrible situation. Can you relate to that? Have you ever done something that, that, that just literally put you to where the world's just kind of caving in around you? You might be in that place today. Your marriage might be struggling. Your finances might be struggling. Your, your health might be struggling. You might have this terrible relationship with your parents or your children or your next door neighbor or your business partner 
you might, you might be struggling because of this thing called sin. The only thing that I can say is this. Take up your cross. Repent of your sins. Have faith in Jesus. Follow him. And don't walk in darkness anymore. Walk in light. And he will guide you and direct you. He will give you piece by piece. You don't always get to eat the whole apple, but he'll give you bites at a time. And he'll show you. He will whisper in your ear which way to turn, to the left or to the right. And he will guide your life. And all of a sudden you will find that what is said about him is true. That he brought light into the world. And he can bring light into your life. Has he brought light into your life? If he has, just honor him right now by raising your hands. Has he brought light into your life? Has he, has he pulled your feet up out of the miry clay and set your feet upon a solid rock and given you hope and purpose and destiny? I want to say, talk about a few things that Jesus said about himself. They always talk about seven things. There are seven I am statements. I disagree. There are eight I am statements. If you study this word enough, there are eight I am statements. There are not seven. And here they are. First of all, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, The woman, Samaritan woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. When, when uh, Andrew and his brother Peter decided to follow Jesus, Andrew comes to Peter and says, Peter, Peter, I found the Messiah. This one we've been waiting for, I found him. Come and meet him. We gotta follow this man. Good old Peter, strong. Peter was a strong man, strong character. Even after falling and seeing all his miracles he had done, it wasn't until that last miracle Peter denied him three times when he was tested by fire. But when he saw that last miracle, the resurrection, then he believed beyond a, a shadow of a doubt. And he himself, like those other, you know, I told you that there are believers today in like about 30 nations who risk their life for the gospel. Peter did the same thing. Peter was killed for his faith. Peter was martyred for his faith. The rock, Peter. So, if you, if you want to get to know Jesus, let's hear what he said about himself. Let's get to know him better. I want to get to know him better, don't you? Jesus said, I'm the Messiah. In John 6, 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you will not hunger. And if you believe in me, you will never thirst. Do you believe that? And I'll tell you something, you might be of the faith today, but you're still a little bit hungry or still a little bit thirsty. Then pray that he would strengthen your faith. And realize this, you can't be mixed. You just can't. You can't eat of the bread of life and then decide, well, I'm going to take a year or two over here and I'm going to eat of the bread of money or the bread of fame or the bread of wealth or the bread of power. You just can't do that. That's, if you're doing that, that's why you're not satisfied. You get it? It, it, it? Jesus said, eat of me and you'll be satisfied. Drink of me and you'll be satisfied. If you're satisfied today, it's because you're eating and drinking of him. And I'm not talking temporarily. 
You might have just won some big deal. Your stocks might have just gone up. So you might be feeling on top of the world today. But you know what I mean. Deep down in the middle of the night, are you satisfied? Is your hunger and thirst filled? Is that wanting appetite in you satiated in such a way that you never thirst again? If it is, I applaud you. You're on the right path. If it is not, I will, I'll, I'll be like John the Baptist for a minute. Repent, for the kingdom of God is close at hand. If not, follow Jesus. What else did he say about himself? He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his flock. Isn't that so opposite of what we are taught in this world? How many people really are truly, truly, truly willing to lay down their life for their neighbor, their spouse? Are you really willing to lay down your life for your spouse? Sometimes I don't do such a good job at that. If I was then I might slay that strong man in me a little bit more and, and be a little bit more meek and tender and loving to my wife when sometimes I'm not. Jesus said in John 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and find good pasture. He's making this analogy of sheep who come into the sheepfold where they're protected. You know, sheep... I don't know if y'all are familiar with sheep. I grew up on a farm. I used to export sheep to Mexico. Very first sheep batch of sheep I ever got gathered up to send to export. Literally, true story. I'd spent 14 hours that day preparing my sheep to get exported. And darned if the wolves didn't come in. I'd gone to my home and I heard this barking. And I'd come over and there's these two huge dogs attacking my sheep. Killing my sheep. I had to slay them. They were killing my sheep. Sheep are helpless. A horse is not helpless. Boy, they're strong and they can kick and trample and do all and same thing with cattle, but sheep, man, they're just it's funny that we got compared to sheep. <laughs> but trust me, when we're in Christ, we're protected. And we find good pasture. That's what he said. I believe it. I've seen it in my own life. The fifth I am statement is in John. It says, I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me too. Everybody kept saying, well, let, if you're the Messiah, let's see this. Let's see this. Let's see this. So Jesus went about doing these miracles. And he, you know, blessed are those who, who have seen and believe. Blessed are those who believe. But there were some, Jesus said, some of you are so stubborn. And I'm, let's talk about unbelief for a minute. There are some people in this room who are so stubborn, no matter what you see, no matter what Christ does for you, you won't believe. And that really breaks my heart. But he said it. He said it. John 11 is a sixth statement. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he will die, he will live. Do you get that? Resurrection and life. 
you don't really ever die because you get to be resurrected with a new body too if you're in Christ. That is the beauty of this. That's why Paul said, I don't fear the thing of death. That is why the believer does not need to fear death. That is why we can put ourselves in harm's way should he call us to do it. And we don't have to fear death. That is why believers all over the world today who get persecuted. Let me tell you something. Have you seen what the communists do to Christians? How they suffer? Simply because they won't deny their faith? They do things to them that are so brutal, I won't mention in this room, because there are little ones here. But they are brutalized. The Muslims brutalize them. The communists brutalize Christians. If you don't believe that, then you're turning a blind eye. There is testimony after testimony after testimony of men and women who are brutalized and violated every day for their faith in well over 30 nations in this, on this world today. So Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. In 14.6, my favorite, and I think one of the most complete, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then the other one. And this is an important one to understand discipleship, to understand what it means to truly follow Jesus. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a really, really important understanding of teaching, if you will, on discipleship, on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus said in John 5, I can do nothing on my own. I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does likewise. That's another critical understanding about life in Christ, that we truly begin to try to follow his example and do what he did. Love others. Love others. Love God. Is it, is it, I have a question. It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it. Do you have to love God to be saved? Jesus said, if you are my disciple, you will love me. You will obey the Father. I want to talk about some of the miracles Jesus did real quick. There's, again, there's eight of them, I believe. Jesus turned water into wine. He, he healed the official's son. You know, that was pretty cool if you think about it. When he healed the official's son, what did he do? We were, we were given such specific detail that the next day the official kind of checked and said, hey, what hour was it that my son got better? And he, he, he realized that it was the very hour when Christ said, you're, you're, go, your son's healed. 
That's cool detail if you think about it. He had this confirmation. I had that happen one time. I got to pray for this guy who had a stroke and his arm was paralyzed. And I prayed for him. He was in another town, in a town called Cameron. And I didn't find out till three months later that the Lord had touched him and healed him. But that happened in Cameron, Missouri. And I ran into his best friend at a trade show in Kentucky. And his, he said, by the way, did you know the very next day that John was sitting at the breakfast table and for the first time in three years, he lifted his left hand and he could touch his face? I love it when God does that, when he shows those specifics that he is real and he's powerful and, he, and th- 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 that prayer got answered. Don't always get to see that. I, 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 I ran over this kid in Mexico in, when I was 22 years old. I was living in Mexico, working an internship for this company. And my boss asked me to drive this president of the Swedish company to the airport in Mexico City because I was the only guy, other guy there that spoke English. And he said, I want him to be comfortable, so can you drive him to Mexico City? I says, okay. So I drive him to Mexico City, and on the outskirts of the city, this 12-year-old boy darts out in front of my car, and I'm going about 55. Many of you have heard this testimony. But I hit this kid, hit him so hard that he flew over three lanes of traffic and landed in the ditch. And when I went over there, he wasn't breathing. I couldn't feel any breath. I couldn't feel any pulse, and I just fell down on my knees and cried out to the Lord, Lord, please save him. And, you know, immediately that boy sat up. And the next day I found out he had a concussion and a cracked femur, and that was it. You tell me that I didn't get a, 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 to see the hand of the Lord work that day. It was awesome. God will constantly confirm your faith if you believe and you abide in him and bear much fruit. He says in, in John chapter 5 that it's his desire that you would abide in him and bear much fruit. That your life would bear fruit in him. So he heals the official son. That was pretty awesome. Then he heals at, you know, at Bethsaida. You remember at the pool where they would put blind people and lame people and all this? And once in a while an angel would kind of come down and stir the water and people get healed. Well, there wasn't any angel that showed up that day. Much better, the Messiah showed up that day and people got healed. Then, let's talk about the 5,000. So here's this group that had been out here on the hillside all day, you know, listening to the Lord teach. And they were kind of out, out, you know, where there wasn't food and things like that. And they only had a few loaves of bread and a few fish. Yet, he told his disciples, start handing them out. And they start handing them out. And not only did they have enough to feed all 5,000, but they had leftovers. Are you today on the side of a hill starving to death? Are you today or someone you know and love today in such a place that they need fed, they need sustenance, and maybe like the disciples, the disciples, they hung out with Jesus, they followed him, he was their master, he was their Lord, yet they doubted him. Are you doubting today that Jesus can't meet you where you're at? That your situation is too big for him? I got news for you, it's not. 
Have faith. If you want just a little bit of a more dose of faith, raise your hands. I want to pray for you right now. Put your hands in the air. If you want the Lord to give you, faith is a gift, the Bible says. It's a gift. Are there, is there something going on that you need to have a little more faith for? I've been that way. I was that way this very week. I'm getting persecuted about something that was not true. Having false accusations laying at me by the wicked. And I had to apply faith there. You need to apply faith somewhere? Put your hands up. I want to pray for you. I'm just asking you to put your hands up for humility's sake, not for me or not for anybody else who's watching. It's just that Jesus, God loves the humble. He exalts the humble. He doesn't want us to sit there in our pride and fear a man and wondering what everybody else around us thinks. He wants us to be so focused on eternity and so focused on him that we don't care about what our neighbors think. So put your hands up. Keep them up. Let's pray. Jesus, give us that kind of faith. Meet us where we're at today, Lord. Turn a few loaves of bread into a bunch of loaves of bread. Turn a few fish into a bunch of fish. Meet my brothers and sisters wherever they're at today. Whatever their need is today, meet them where they're at. Oh, Father, I lift them up to you. I pray, Lord, that their, fill, that their shield of faith would be held high. Do you know that, the, that in the armor of God, faith is, is likened to a shield? Why is that? Because our faith protects us. Our faith guards us from the enemy, from the evil, from the wicked, even from ourselves. I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for those who've had the humility to lift their hands. I pray that you bless them with the gift of having more faith. In Jesus' name. Peter got to walk on water. Peter had enough faith. Let's talk about that miracle. That's a cool one, isn't it? Peter recognizes from afar somebody's coming toward the boat here and he sees it's Jesus. Lord, if that's really you and not a, some kind of ghost, tell me to come to you and I will. And he did. So that wild man Peter jumps out of the boat and he's getting to walk on water there, right? Alongside the Lord. Because of his faith. Then he doubted and he sunk. Don't doubt and don't sink. <sighs> Lazarus got raised from the dead. He was dead and stinking. And everybody thought he wasn't going to, oh, yeah, we get it. Yeah, he'll raise up in the end. No, Jesus like, no, I think I'm going to raise him up right now. And he did. Jesus resurrected himself. He dared him. He said, you tear this temple down and I'll show you. You want to kill me because I claim to be God? That's okay with me. I'm just going to raise myself up three days later anyway just to prove you wrong so that the world knows I am who I said I am. I am. Now, I got two altar calls today. First of all, one of my favorite passages in John, 14, 12. Let's go there. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified. Anything you ask in my name, I will do. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you want to see more of that stuff happening and you want to see Jesus made manifest more in your life, come on down to the front. Let's pray. Be humble. Come down. Come running. You may not get another chance like this. If you are a disciple of Jesus and you want to see him move more and more in your life, then come down. And now I'm going to have my other altar call. And this is so for the, I'm kind of doing this purposefully this way because I don't want folks to be shy. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Jesus said that you must be born again to be saved. Jesus said, if you don't repent and don't confess and don't confess me with your mouth, you will not see eternity in heaven. Jesus said that. Jesus also said, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth so that you may be saved. If you are in here today and you've never had the chance to publicly, maybe you've done it by your bedside at night and that's okay. But I think the Bible is clear that you need to make a public confession of faith. If you have never made a public confession of faith, I'm going to ask you to get up and come down here to this altar. If you are ready to no longer walk in darkness, but to walk in the light, come down. And remember this. The Bible says that life is like a sigh, and it's over. You may leave here today, and I don't say this as a scare tactic, because if you're not ready, don't come. You can't fake out the Lord anyway. But if you know that you've been doing it on your own, if you know you haven't been following Jesus, if you know you haven't confessed Jesus, then today's the day for you to make a huge, and I will say the best and most important decision you will ever make in your life. So, if you don't know Jesus, but you're ready today to know the Father, please come to the front. I'm only going to hesitate for a few moments. You know if the Lord is knocking on the heart of your door, and if he is, if you feel any kind of pull out of that seat, then come on down. You don't have to be perfect to give your life to Jesus. You simply have to be earnest. Do you hear me? You don't have to be perfect. You can't earn your way to heaven anyway. But Christ asks us to follow him and walk in his ways. And you know what? Everybody here who's of the faith, that doesn't mean they've done it perfect every day. They haven't. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not perfect. I continue to have to repent. I continue to have to ask the Lord to strengthen me because I, I, I've got kind of a strong character. My flesh is strong. I don't always want to obey Jesus. But I do. You get that? That little struggle that goes on internally. Anyway, last chance. If you don't know Jesus and you want to make a public confession of your faith, please come. Now I'm going to pray. Tony, will you give me a little background music? Jesus, I thank you for everybody who's come to this altar today. I thank you that you love them. Lord, you've been so good to me and so merciful to me. Thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins. Thank you, Lord, that you have allowed me to walk in light and not in darkness. 
And I pray that I would be able to continue that every day. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would begin to use my brothers and sisters more and more every day to bear witness of you and to do greater things than these. As your word says, that they would pray for the sick and see them healed. That they would pray for the brokenhearted and see them healed. That they would pray for the marriages and see them saved. That they would share your gospel. That they would bear witness of you. That they would bear testimony of you. That they would not fear. The wicked flee when none pursueth, but the righteous are bold like a lion, the Bible says. That they would have boldness like a lion. Jesus, thank you so much. I pray, Lord, that each one of these, according to the gifts that you've given them, would begin to walk them out in an even greater way. That they would use those talents and unique gifts that you've given them. Some as preachers, teachers, leaders, mercy, servants. Gifts, acts of kindness. Whatever you've called them to. That those gifts would well up in them and be used with them and by them in a greater way. And Lord, help us. Help us to love those around us even more. If you've come here today and you're looking for mercy and you're looking for forgiveness and you're looking for somebody who's not going to judge you, then you've come to the right place because Christ loves you. Every one of us have done acts and things and thoughts that are detestable before the Lord who is righteous and holy. But I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that the Lord forgave me. I'm so thankful that he loves me. I'm so thankful that I don't deserve, yet he's done for me anyway. That as a good shepherd, he did lay his life down for me. You know that? If you're in this room today, hear this and believe this. Jesus laid his life down just for you. He laid his life down for you so that you would not walk in darkness but have light. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for everyone in this room today. I pray that you would bless them and cover them under the shadow of your wing. I pray that you protect each household. I pray that you would guard each marriage. I pray, Lord, that our children and our children's children would seek you and walk in your ways all the days of their life. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and thank you for your mercy. In the name of Jesus, amen.